for details. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. What a crazy week we have had between market trading, global influence, crop updates, weather, you name it. It's had a finger in the pot into what we've seen on this trade. And we're going to kind of dive in. And obviously, weather has been one of the biggest water cooler talking factors that we've heard from folks and including Darren Fry. Darren is with Water Street. As we look at the market, let's start out with this weather. We've been blessed with some decent rains, but not everybody is so lucky at this point. Yeah, that's right. The weather continues to be, you know, favoring the east. And in some cases, Susan, we just had too much over here, especially for the soybeans. And I think a lot of people here over the last week or two are surprised to see some conditions go down in Illinois, both on corn and soybeans, but it's it's the too much water. And then there's a lot of ideal crops around, so I'm not saying the crop's bad over here. Uh, whether it can make our, our top yield of 210 or not in Illinois, I don't know. I, my yield's a little bit less than that, but close to a record. But I think the rain is a problem over here, and we keep seeing the wet get wetter, right? More rain over the same areas. Some of our clients are just telling us, hey, it's just too much for the soybeans especially. And then, of course, out your way and north of you, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, obviously Minnesota now has become kind of the bullseye for missing rains and having a lot of crop stress. And uh, they just can't buy a rain. And we know the next, you know, 10 days, it's going to get warmer and warmer. And it's going to get downright hot up in the northern plains, upper Midwest, Canadian prairie. So, you know, temperatures 95 to 105, and there'll be an uh, immense amount of crop stress put on the corn plants up there as they enter pollination. Not even then. I, uh, I know I've seen a lot of posts for folks trying to buy hay and sell hay in that neck of the woods. And, and it's crazy how the alfalfa has been damaged, which will have a trigger-down effect on what we see in cattle movement as well. Yeah, it really will. You know, there's a lot of people having to liquidate um, cow-calf, you know, pears and, you know, trim their herd. There's just not enough food, and that's going to have an impact short-term on the cattle, bearish, but also longer-term. There'll be holes out there as we contract this herd a little bit. And so uh, that all bears watching, but it really speaks to the bigger issue, and that is, hey, from the far northwest all the way back into that diagonal line across Iowa from the southwest side to the northeast, it's been the tale of two two different cities, two different uh, cropping regions, and that is east, a lot more moisture, west, hardly can buy rain. Well, having said that, crop condition reports will come back out on Monday because there were some beneficial rains in the western Corn Belt. Could we possibly see some changes coming in numbers? You know, typically you, you see crop conditions peak in the middle of July and kind of go down anyway. And so I'm not expecting big changes. I would say if anything has a chance of going up, it would be corn. And I would say that I'd be shocked if, if beans could rise at all. And if they did, it might be a percent. But I'm kind of expecting soybeans to be even to maybe even down next week because of too much rain over here in the east and not enough in places up in the northwest. And maybe corn stays unchanged, it goes up one. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens on Monday, but that's kind of my expectations. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this Canadian crop because really I think this is one of the first days I've seen it really talked about in the marketplace as being a concern. Oh man, it's, you know, they've had the same type of weather pattern that North Dakota's had and Montana and 
We know what some of those crops are like, you know, like the spring wheat crop's been bailed in a lot of cases and people have abandoned it. I know abandonment's pretty low on the USDA side, but I think it's going to go up. And we just see a lot of problems in that northern plains, Canadian prairies, and way too hot for canola. And, you know, Canada raises about 60% of the world's canola. So I think there's a real issue there. And that chart, you know, scored all-time new highs here this week and really looks strong for more upside potential. So uh, oil seeds are going to remain pretty hot with our biofuels industry uh, continuing to expand. And yet from a consumer perspective, we are hearing a lot of folks in, in the restaurant area talking about this canola and how their prices have even doubled in purchasing the oil for food cooking. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, speaking of the the food industry, you know, a lot of places are taking chicken wings off their menu because, A, there's a shortage of those. Uh, I don't know why exactly, but logistically or supply-wise, people can't get them. And then the cooking oil's way up. And, you know, instead of having 10 wings for, you know, 10 bucks, they got to charge 22 to make any money on them, and nobody's going to pay that. So when you take a look at what's happening, there's these disruptions in supplies everywhere, and the cooking oil certainly has increased costs at the restaurant level for sure. All right, we head over to uh, what else we're seeing, uh, Brazil doing some bookings of, of corn from Argentina. Yeah, that was a real shocker. You know, they booked 20 uh, cargoes of corn, and, and really that's a shock when they are an exporting country, they're entering their harvest of safrina. It just tells you how bad the drought was and the freeze was. And they just have skyrocketing corn prices down there, approaching $8. And they book some cargoes from Argentina. So I really think that's, uh, you know, a yikes, a double yikes. Call it into Houston because we got a problem when you see an exporting country sending out for some bookings of, of corn cargoes into their country. So it bears watching for sure. And I think it means more business for U.S. exports. Looking at... Uh the, the dryness, is, as you talk about Russia and what's going to happen there, how much pressure is that going to put on our wheat market here in the States? Well, I, you know, the, the crop in Russia is pretty big, but I know as they've gotten into it, they've downgraded a little bit, and it's bigger than last year, obviously, but it's smaller than I think expected. And we do have the southern Russia, northern Ukraine, having some drought concerns here as they enter the last half of July for the row crops. And so I think those are just these little nibble away at the, the supply side while we know demand is huge. And you, you couple that with the Canadian prairies and what we got going on in our northern area for spring uh, and Durham. And I think you got a wheat story starting to emerge here worldwide. Now, that's not going to lead the charge yet, but I think as you can track supplies further and see demand rising because of all of it going into feed rations. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio. The Dirt. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue having our conversation with Darren Fry. He is with Water Street. We were talking about the, the, the dryness that we've seen in Russia. And the wheat in Minneapolis has been the market leader. Is it because we're seeing this dryness pressure here in the States? Yeah, it definitely is. You know, that crop up there, the other wheats, and that'd be your red and white springs and then Durham, they typically are, you know, going to yield in that 500, 560 range million bushels. And, you know, when the government came out this week and, and we're in the uh, middle threes, 
I mean, it just shocked the trade, you know. And, and so, obviously, Minneapolis wheat has had some really good support on the chart. It looked like it was going to break out. But that was the catalyst that did it, and we're adding, you know, quite a bit of value to that contract. But in addition, you see oats, you know, people always say oats no, but they um, they definitely have broken out. And, and, you know, barley, oats, wheat, canola, everything grown up in that area and up in the Canadian prairies is really uh, finding great value here and an underpinning of support just because of how much the crop has shrunk and because of how much demand is out here. So, yeah, I would say it's a lot to do with the weather. All right, seasonals. We hear a lot of folks saying they want to trade on the seasonals. I kind of want to get your spin on all of that. Well, you know, seasonals are pretty reliable. I mean, they they happen often. That's why they're seasonal. So, you know, like a, a strong seasonal is, hey, when we get ready to harvest corn or soybeans here in the United States, hard to be long the market past, you know, August 1st, and you start to go sideways to lower in the harvest, as you receive a full supply and that pressures the market. And the seasonal last year didn't work. You know, we bottomed the market in August. We rallied all the way through harvest to everyone's amazement, and we just kept going. And, of course, China was buying, and the crop was a little bit smaller, and we had the derecho, and and those things all happen. You look back and point to them. But, you know, people are just blinded by the strong seasonal to go down into harvest, and I understand that because that's going to work, what, eight and a half, nine out of ten years, right? But it didn't work last year. And there's a strong seasonal right now uh, that wheat, hey, it's going to rally up into the middle of the month here, and then it's going to be down into early September, and that works like 80% of the time. But, man, I don't know if it's going to work this year, much like the seasonal for corn and beans last year. And I think with algo algo traders and momentum traders – and just all the computers that are involved now, some of these seasonals aren't as typical or as followed as one might think. And so, um, you know, wheat sure looks strong to me. Could it go back down and make new lows? Yeah, anything's possible with these markets. But that's not a seasonal I would want to trade with a wheat chart looking like it's looking. It's looking like it wants to go higher. So as you look at the way these grains have traded this week and as we head into to next week and the downhill slide into July, from a livestock standpoint, what are some key triggers that they're going to have to watch on the grains to know how it might affect their marketings on the livestock side? Well, I mean, if you, if you start taking out highs in, in the grains, and we're not ready to do that yet, but if we would, let's say next week, uh, the dryness, the crop conditions, the stress is much worse. Well, obviously, that is going to eventually have a lifting effect on these livestock prices because it always does. When you have higher grain prices, you'll have higher meat prices, but if we don't trigger those higher prices and we start going down, I mean, cheap corn is going to help a producer put more weight on and expand, and and I would say that livestock's going to have a hard time. But I'm looking up in the meats, although they're having a rough time right now. The hogs are in a big correction, and cattle just haven't gotten you know their start yet, really. But uh, but I I really think that the grains uh, have support here, and we have a big demand side of things, and so I think that will keep the livestock underpin, but cattle have some work to do with the packers still having so much control over and above what the feedlots have. I like is before we all started this, you started talking about the charts, and they're not, as you put it, spiffy on the cattle. Yeah, uh, the, the cattle just, you know, you got two, three, four days that look real good, and they're going to break out, and then they pull back. And so the cattle just had a problem with, you know, the beef topping out and seasonally, that's a seasonal, you know, and that's a pretty strong one because Memorial Day and then July 4th and then Labor Day as you move into winter. But 
those seasonals hold true a lot of times just because people's eating habits, what they want to do. But, you know, it's having a rough time, even though boxed beef is pretty good. Uh, we've seen it pull back here. And, you know, obviously the Packers don't have the need or the incentive to bid up. And so that's been the challenge with the beef market all along, more so than the pork side of things. And speaking of the pork, uh, the announcement of Germany have an African swine fever in their domestic herds. It seems like the hog market took that and ran with it on a Friday. Yeah, you know, um, hogs didn't didn't close bad today, and and you you see the market trying to finish this correction. Uh, I still think we got some more up before the next selling opportunity, but definitely hogs uh, were supported today with that news. That's for sure. All right, Darren, best way for folks to get a hold of you. They can always look me up on Twitter. I'm out there uh, at, at fry underscore uh, WSS, or they could uh, look us up here on the web and just come to our website at www.waterstreetconsulting.com. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.